Hey everyone, you're listening to the Modern People Leader Podcast. In today's episode, we'll be diving into what's top of mind for us right now, where we'll talk about the most timely and relevant topics that are probably on the minds of a lot of people out there in the HR world. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the final episode of the year for the Modern People Leader. It's what a year. Season. I know. What a year. What a year. <laughs> I can't believe, uh, I can't believe a year ago, we were convinced that we should launch the podcast together. Yeah. But we were scrambling to like figure out format, timing, how, what we wanted to do. And um, it's crazy to think that, uh, that a year's gone by or it's been so quick. It feels like a lot longer than a year. Like when I think Agreed. about the MPL timeline, it, MPL year feels like three years. For sure, dog year. For sure. Yeah. Maybe not a complete dog year, but definitely like yeah. half dog year. Yeah, half dog year. What are the, uh, how are the holidays shaping up for you? Pretty good. Um, so today, for, for everybody listening, it's Thursday, December 23rd. And uh, yeah, tomorrow I will be driving down to Laredo, Texas, which is about three hours away from Austin, where I live. Going to be hanging out there with uh, with Tori, my my partner and her family. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Nice. How about you? I'm laying low. Um, laying low this week. I'm going to be in Austin for Christmas with my family. And then the girls and I are joining my partner in San Jose on the Ooh. 29th. So yeah, Fun. we may get a little bit of skiing and while we're out there, there you so, go. Be careful. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to come back with a brace of any sort. So yeah, no, I feel <laughs> well, cool, man. So we were thinking that since it's the end of the year, and, you know, we wanted to put an episode out there that would benefit our listeners as we go into the new year. We decided to recap a question that we actually ask every guest. So we have about 30 responses, maybe a couple, maybe it's like 28. I don't know the exact number, but the question that we ask every guest is what are three to four metrics that you're looking at on an ongoing basis? So we rounded up all of the answers that we've received over the past year. And we're going to talk about it. So if you're a people leader and you're looking to build a scorecard for your function in 2021, or sorry, 2022, wow. Um, Hopefully this gives you some inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some good nuggets in here. And it was interesting for me to look back on this data and think about the fact that like the great resignation, like had not been labeled a thing yet. And so it's just really interesting to, to like re-listen and re-look at and examine the responses we got. Now looking back, hindsight's 2020, there are all these things going on in the workplace. And so it's just interesting to me, like what metrics were front have been front of mind for for our guests. Yeah. You mean hindsight's 2021? <laughs> nice. Yeah, good one, nice. right? Good dad yeah. joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well played. Well played. So how should we do this? I mean, I think we might, let's start with some of our, some of the themes, you know, you and I both looked at this independently and uh, I, I would be curious to see like, what are some of the themes that we both, that we both highlighted? Yeah. So 
I can go first. I'll, I'll talk about one of the themes that I noticed. So DEI, this is something <laughs> that I think was talked about a little bit more from the latter half of guests. Uh, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just making that up. But some of some of the responses that I thought were really interesting. So Dina Upton from from Drift, she talked about how they had goals for percentage of minority employees and percentage of female employees. And let me let me find what episode was she? I think oh, episode. 15. Yeah, I think so. Their their goal for minorities, they were trying to get from 13 percent to 16 percent. And then for females, they were trying to get from 42.9% to 45%. So I thought that was a really smart way of looking at it. And then Dom from LLA had a similar way of of looking at this, but it was number of female directors across the organization. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were other guests that talked about it. I think maybe uh, David Hanrahan, I think he talked about how they look about, they look at employee experience, um, majority groups versus minority groups. And their goal is for there not to be a Delta. Right. Did I miss anything with DEI? No, I also caught DEI as a theme. I feel like we came in hot on DEI just like mid-year also. Like there is, it just, it seemed to dominate a lot of our conversations mid-year and still a priority, but I felt like there was like a really intense period of time where we were talking a lot about DEI. So I also have this as a theme, you know, even Noreen at Cross Boundary, she mentioned representation metrics. Yeah. And so for me, I think that DEI is still going to be an area a focus of question, right? Like, what do we track? What is the right, what do we put on a scorecard? What does it mean for us? Like, I I feel like this one is going to continue into 2022 uh, as companies still struggle to figure out. I'm still at our episode with Yemi. uh, I was was about to bring that up. Yeah. The chief diversity officer at Groupon. And he his point, like, guys, you need to define what you're trying to accomplish first. Like, what are you actually, what are your goals? And I feel as companies better understand what their goals are, they're going to have a better grasp on what metrics they need to be tracking. But yeah, I I also like how he, he thought about DEI. He didn't just think of it like as an internal, you know, thing for their organization. He thought of it as like, what's the impact that our company is making on the community both in like the actions that the organization takes, but also the individuals within the organization that are making an impact in their community. And yeah, well, I mean, how do we set goals around that as well? Yeah, he, he was the first to really dig into the fact that diversity and inclusion is a leadership competency. It's a yeah. management competency and you should expect to see it. It's something that should get stronger over time for, for an individual but it should be viewed as a competency. You know, some are going to be stronger than others. Some, you know, have an opportunity to make improvements. And I think that like, you know, Darren Murph, like he mentioned manager training completions and how frequently people are joining cohorts. And I think that I immediately think back to Yemi and his point on diversity and inclusion needing to be a competency and seeing that 
your employees, your high potential people are signing up for the training courses, signing up for kind of the, the next level of education that they can get on the topic is, is something that wasn't really highlighted as a metric. But if we look at all the great ideas that were brought to the table, I think that's something that, that employers can, can look at and can measure to see progress. Yeah, I agree. What, well, what other trends did you see? Let's see. I, I think one of the, one of the uh, themes that really surprised me seeing across all of our guests was peer-to-peer recognition. We spent an entire episode digging into this with Sarah Salby Young from Pegasystems, Cleo Knowles from Virgin uh, Hotels talked about how in their internal you know, comm tool, one thing that they look at and they track on a weekly basis is how many shout outs are going out within that platform. And by looking at that data, they can almost predict where there's going to be better retention or where people are going to be more engaged because they see a direct correlation between the number of shout outs and retention metrics um, and just how happy people are at those different locations. And then I think Adrian from Adrian Bernard from Mainstay, she mentioned something about this as well. And I will say like, you know, that that's something that we do at Humu. We have a Slack channel called Cheers for Peers. And yeah, like, I don't know how much weight you should put into it, but that's something that as an individual at the company, I notice when a certain team is posting more in that, in that Cheers for Peers Slack channel, I'm like, oh, wow, like that's a happy team. Like they all really appreciate each other and clearly their team is doing something right. So I, I could definitely see why as a leader, you'd want to you know, keep an eye on that and see if there's any delta between the different departments, the different team leaders and who's sending out the most recognition to their peers. Yeah, I mean, recognition is, a, is I think that that's also, you know, was a surprise for me. I think that um, I'm a little conflicted with recognition, and and the reason why is because you know three years ago, four years ago, the big one of the big trends in in HR tech was rewards and recognitions platforms. So you know, company buys a a a batch of points; those are allocated to employees and by rec- getting recognized and recognizing you're building a point, you're building points and then you can trade in your points for some swag or for a nonprofit donation. And all of that's fine. Like I, I think that, that that all makes sense. Although it is for me, how do we create that organically? Like, should we yeah. have to provide points to our employees to do this? And, and so that was like, one of the pre-COVID models for recognition. Yeah. And I think since then, recognition is- More organic. It has to be. And yeah. it's, more, it's more necessary, right? We're not connecting the way we used to connect. Some of the informal channels to give recognition are no longer there. And, and I, I believe it is, I believe in the science behind recognition. I believe it helps build a positive mindset. I believe it builds employee engagement by having a, a feeling of being recognized and a sense of belonging, you know, by getting recognized by my peers. So I, I'm a thousand percent sold on that. I just feel like the way we do it can 
there's like a better way. And I don't know what that is, but, but that's why I'm a little conflicted I, because I keep... it, it, it seems like the old way that we did this pre-COVID was a bit contrived. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like there's an opportunity to like find a better way of, of, of promoting recognition and making it really intentional. Yeah. I think that was the key word from our last show, making it really intentional. Yeah. Also thinking back to our conversation with Darren, I, I can't remember uh, what the question was or what we were even talking about, but he said at at GitLab, we like to think of the most boring solution. And that's typically the right solution. And it feels like the most boring solution to recognition that a lot of companies are starting to adopt is just using Slack, creating a Slack channel. Like it feels like it's so yeah. easy. Like I remember at at Workify, I, I I feel like that was whenever I was there, but that was something that we all looked forward to every week, getting in our recognition for our peers. It's also something that just feels great. Whenever I go in and leave a cheers for peers at Humu, it just feels so good to recognize the people that that work with me because they're doing good work and I enjoy working with them. And I don't know, uh, hopefully it puts a smile on their face. Definitely does for me. And uh, I honestly think I get more enjoyment and utility out of recognizing other people than being recognized myself. Yeah. Like I always feel like a little awkward when I'm being recognized. I don't know why, but I love recognizing other people and, and just showing that gratitude. I think it's a powerful thing. Yeah. Gratitude is huge. And I don't know, I guess, that was a long way of saying that to your point, I'm sure that rewarding people for recognizing Rewards their peers, recognition. I'm sure that works, but I don't think you even need to incentivize people with rewards Yeah, because it just feels good to do it. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. the spirit of tracking though, I'm guessing that a rewards and recognition platform makes it a lot easier to kind of report on. Yeah. To have the metrics like, for it. How many of these do we do? By department, so, by team leader, by demographic. Exactly. And being yeah. able to, by manager, being by able man- to roll exactly. that up. Yeah. So so I, I can see the pros and cons. Just continuing with the riff here, like one of the things was like surprising, but not surprising for me is EMPS or engagement, an EMPS or an engagement metric. And why this is not surprising because- you know, this is the business we're in at Workify. And like, we've seen the value and the power of being able to trend this over time. What's surprising to me is how many people like view this as being one of the critical things that should be on your dashboard or like the scorecard that you're reporting up and the fact that it should be done quarterly. I think, you know, the, the, the surprise for me was there are more companies that are saying you need to get this data on a quarterly or more frequent basis than what I would have expected. So I, I guess that the latter part there is the surprise part for me, mm-hmm. but I guess it was reassuring to hear that like, this is something, a single engagement metric or, or employee satisfaction metric, you know, belongs on the scorecard. I was, uh, it was nice to see that. I wasn't expecting it, that response from so many of the guests, but uh, it, it was It cool feels like that. that was either the number one or number two response that we got. Yeah. NPS. And- you know, just while we're on the topic of engagement survey metrics, one thing that I found really interesting. So at whom we did like this, uh, did a little bit of market research 
I think maybe like a month or two ago. And we sent out a survey to, I want to say like 250, 300 uh, people leaders. And one of the questions that we asked them was like, what is the one thing that you're still looking for from tech vendors out there, like in the HR tech space? And people are still, I guess, struggling to get engagement survey metrics, like basic employee engagement data, which I thought was interesting. I don't know. This is your space. So I'll let you speak to it. Why, why do you think that's the case? Why do I think that's the case? I feel like... Or like, what do you think that they feel is missing? Yeah, I feel like company that companies are missing... I think most companies are still doing it annually. I think that... And, and recognizing that, you know, an annual metric isn't, isn't working for me, right? I, you know, we have an HR scorecard that we report up to the leadership team that's consolidated with a bunch of other scorecards like business KPIs. And we're doing that monthly or quarterly. And yet we have this like annual number that we look at. And, you know, I, I, I think it's more so that companies are, caught between an old way of doing things like an annual EMPS or engagement metric and a new way of doing things. And I, I believe the struggle that they're facing is either the, whatever they're currently using from a tech stack perspective or like their approach is not sustainable. They need to find a way to change that or they, they don't have clarity around like what it, what is the metric? What is that mm -hmm. engagement metric? You know, the old, the old school approach was as a survey provider, you have to use our suggested questions because they are research back, IO psychology approved. And, and if you, and that's, you know, that's the end all be all. And I think now we're in a time where engagement and pulse surveys have collided into this kind of common you know, this hybrid, this more commonly used hybrid of having a more topical pulse and having engagement type questions in that pulse. And so I think that this year, 2022, is going to be a year in which that hybrid approach becomes more mainstay. And I think what the tension that, that your data is seeing is like companies are still locked into an old way of doing things. And, and they need to find a new and better, more effective way of doing things. That's my best interpretation. Gotcha. And for, for the people out there that are looking for like two or three metrics to look at on their quarterly poll surveys or their uh, biannual survey, or maybe they're doing monthly surveys, like what are the two to three numbers that they should be most concerned with? It sounds like ENPS is definitely one of them. Are there one or two others that you think are extremely important for them to keep an eye on and, and trend over time? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it depends because the interesting thing is we either saw our guests said ENPS or engagement metric, right? They just kind yeah. of or they reference like reference a number or they said our pulse survey data. Right. They're like, you know, the poll survey data needs to be part of the metrics. And I think essentially, you know, this hybrid approach that, that, that I keep mentioning 
is the consolidation of those two things. So I think it depends, you know, going into 2022, I think it depends. Like what are our workplace goals that we're trying to establish? And you need one satisfaction, employee advocacy focused metric. And that's why I'm a big fan of EMPS, you know, because it's a single number for, for all the reasons that we've talked about. But if it's not that, it could be employee satisfaction. It just needs to be a singular number around satisfaction, advocacy, engagement, whatever you want to call that. But I think the other numbers that you want to include are like this year, you know, what are the key things that we're going to, we're going to be focusing on? And for example, if, you know, leaning into remote first or remote friendly is one of your objectives, then your pulse survey data, like, you know, ensuring that your people have the resources they need to work effectively remotely, I would put on the list. I think that was one Uh, that Darren mentioned. Yeah. 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 He mentioned that. And, and it just, you know, goes to show like the, the trend away from this cumbersome, large, single engagement survey that we do a year to these shorter check-ins. And I think you're combining that, right? You're, I think the EMPS you need to have there throughout the year. Diversity, if that's another area that you need to measure, like that should be a very specific part of your poll survey strategy, diversity, inclusion, belonging. Or you need to have like a single, either you're, you're repeating questions throughout the year on diversity and inclusion, or you're going to go deep in one survey uh, on diversity and inclusion. But I think what I would say is like, identify what are the key things for our business. And those are going to be the metrics we report on. And it could be that some of the metrics are going to be related to, you know, are not going to be engagement related at all. And it's going to be related to retention, right? And how, you know, how our employees are responding to retention type questions. Um, and I think that's, that's an area where, in our conversations, when we ask this question, a lot of our guests mentioned retention data, but they were looking at like hard data, um, maybe lagging data. You know, what I would say is there's a big opportunity to ask your employees how looking the, how long they're looking to stay at the company. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the percentage of employees that are going to leave the company in the next year, we want to keep that at a certain level, call it yeah. 15% of our workforce, 30% of our workforce, you know, less than 30% of our workforce are going to be leaving in the next year based on our data. And that's like a single metric you should be tracking as well. Yeah. I think the, the one guest that comes to mind that, that said nearly the same thing was David Hanrahan from Eventbrite. He compared it to a weather forecast and how that's more valuable for him to look at than than the number of people that are leaving. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, that's people will look at, oh, well, these are the number of, of involuntary um, terms that we had. And that is like what they're measuring and they're tracking when, you know, they could have a much big, you know, pro- bigger problem on their hands. So I, I agree with David. You want to look at the, the warning flag. You don't want to just see, you know, you don't want to wait until you got fire and ash, ashes in your, in a department. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So I think, um, oh no, go on. No, I was just going to say a couple of other things that, um, that were surprises for me is the number of times that business metrics came up in the HR conversation. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Like 
you know, for example, Don Boone, he mentioned uh, net ads from sales installations, I think were some of the business metrics that they look at. Yeah. Um, and, and Barbie mentioned metrics, specifically metrics that support your business goals. Like you need to have one or two yeah. that are directly tied to cascading business goals. Yeah. That was a nice surprise for me. Yeah. I think Cleo Knowles had a really good one too. They would look at TripAdvisor. Yes. That, that's what it was. It was TripAdvisor reviews that yeah. named employees by name. And then, man, there were a few other good ones. I feel like maybe, uh, what about, Lindsay? what about, yeah. the, what about the wobble scale? That was a Libby, I think. Yeah. That one was pretty cool. The wobble scale. So refresh my memory. If I'm remembering correctly, the wobble scale is something that expel uses to guide like manager performance conversation or like conversations that managers are having with their direct reports about performance. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a red, orange, green qualitative indicator on what's happening with managers. And, uh, and they're looking at this scale to understand like how comfortable people are having how comfortable managers are in having their one-on-ones and uh and so that was that was one of the more interesting ones that i think that we heard of over the last year in my opinion yeah and then i'm just like scrolling through so dr christopher lee from william and mary one thing that he mentioned was the number of requests that they're getting from customers and i think what he meant by that was the number of requests that they were getting from employees to HR. I, yes. I, I want to say that he said, when people are calling you, that's an indicator of success rather than waiting to call you until something's on fire. They're being proactive. They trust HR and they're actively reaching out to get help and, or proactively. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is also something that Darren hit on <laughs> in our conversation he, I think, was more quantitative. They're looking at impressions and clicks, but I think it's yeah. getting at the same thing. Like how often and frequently are is our content being consumed? HR yeah. content programs, et cetera, how often is that being consumed? Yeah. And I agree. Like though to me, and I full I didn't fully get, you know, our you know, it's interesting, like as I've had more time to digest some of the metrics and just some of the, all the great things that have been shared on the show, I can now look back and appreciate Dr. Christopher Lee's comments a little more now looking back. But I think it's interesting that he mentioned that and Darren mentioned that as well. And it's almost like looking at the demand side of, of what we do in HR. Yeah. I think we we hit on. Am I, are we missing any? Were there any other themes that you you saw in there? Yeah, I think the the only one. That, Did we talk about uh, recruiting yet? We didn't talk about recruiting, and I was going to say, like, I again, it's like surprised, not surprised. Um, I was surprised to see so many recruiting. You know, to me, yeah. like recruiting metrics are kind of the OG recruiting and turnover are like the OG HR metrics. Yeah. And, and so I was surprised, like when we asked, like, what are the three, you know, what are three critical metrics you should 
you should be reviewing that recruiting was on there. But now seeing as we we've been in the midst of the largest like turnover mass turnover exercise in our, our economy, I can now better understand and better appreciate. So it's not so surprising to me now, but at the time I'm like, I would have thought like just there being more cutting edge, more creative type metrics. But, you know, again, looking back, so many companies have been suffering from the great resignation. I, I totally get why you got to keep your eye on those metrics. Yeah. And I, I, I want to say we heard time to fill at least 15 times. I think time to fill is a big one. I, I thought it was interesting. Barbie looks at it a bit differently. She looks at time a candidate was in process versus time to fill. So how long did it take to seal the deal once a candidate was in process? That one was interesting. I think Dina from Drift, they have a metric in place for how many of their new employees or their new hires are coming from referrals. And they have a goal for that. Dom mentioned LinkedIn followers. I want to say that they had just hit 40,000 followers and that was a big deal for, for Liberty Latin America. And then the last interesting one that comes to mind was from Kristen at Groupon. She talked about spans and layers. So how many layers down from the CEO and what's the span of control? Like how many direct reports do does each manager have? And then based off of that, they can figure out like where they need to hire maybe more managers or make sure that there aren't too many direct reports per, per manager. Yeah. Interesting. Looking back, we had Jacqueline from EDB and Emma from Regora, Emma Brudner, and they both mentioned pass-through rates. That's so right. pass-through rates, essentially funnel metrics in recruiting. So how are you getting from one stage of the funnel to the next stage of the funnel? Jacqueline zeroed in even like honed in even more closely on the pass-through rates from phone screen to on-site. So, so I thought that was like getting even more kind of quantitative and more exact in, in the, the funnel metrics. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So I'm not really seeing anything else. It, it, it feels like if, if, uh, if I were an HR leader, if I were a people leader, and I was trying to put together a, in a scorecard for the function that, you know, step one, look at company goals and try to, you know, map that to, to your people goals. And then from there, it feels like there are about five or six buckets that maybe you should be looking at like, you know, two to three metrics. And so for engagement surveys, maybe it's ENPS and one or two others, um, mm-hmm. For, you know, retention, maybe it's uh, regrettable attrition. Maybe it's looking at intent to stay as more of like a weather forecast. Um, Mm -hmm. For recruiting, time to fill, pass-through rate, referrals. For recognition, this one seems like it's a bit harder to to measure unless you have uh, rewards and recognition platform in place. But you could also just look at Slack, like how many times did it happen in a month or how many times does it happen in a week? I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's an easy way of, of measuring that. Yeah. And then for DEI, it feels like there are a few good metrics that, that, that you can look at, whether it's like percentage of minorities within the company, percentage of females, looking at the Delta and employee experience between majority and minority groups. 
Yep. And then I'm sure there are a couple others that you could, you could add. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I would, that's right. I, and I think in 2022, you know, the one kind of trend that I see in this data is moving to a, a focus more on leading indicators than just looking at lagging indicators. And, and what I mean by that is like some of the warning flags, like rather than looking at attrition on like the sheer number of people that have left, looking at, okay, maybe we should ask a question that is geared around like, how long are you intending to stay? And that's how we start to get a, a leading indicator on attrition rather than just relying on like what we, what actually happens. And I think that's going to hold true across a lot of these metrics. I think another piece of advice I would give is like, once you look at what your goals are for the year, look at how you will begin to wrap an employee listening strategy around these. And for example, like if we want to have an engagement metric, maybe EMPS and a, another question or two, we should also be looking at the delta between how our diverse groups are responding and how our non our you know our historically underrepresented groups are responding versus you know um, everyone else and so I think you know be strategic and be creative about how you're going to um, attack some of the, the the goals that you want to track and um, and you know look at this as a year long employee listening strategy not just like one off things yeah. Love that. Love that. So given that this is our last episode of the year, I thought it would be fun to just talk about why we even started the podcast. Have we, we haven't discussed this in the podcast, have we? Maybe we have. Maybe in like the story, like in the, in the, in the early section of some of the conversations, but I don't think we have, uh, we've explicitly talked about it in our riffs. Okay. So Maybe I'll, I'll share why I wanted to to work with you and, and start this podcast, and then you can tell your story. But yeah, again, just so thankful for this last year that I've been able to have, I guess this is our 50th conversation together, Stephen. So that means that we've gotten to talk over 50 times because we've also had a ton of conversations in between podcasts, before podcasts, also just have hung out as cousins and friends. So Yeah. After not seeing you all that much for a couple of years, it was nice to to get you back into the rotation. So yeah, it was around this time last year, actually. I think maybe like late November, I reached out to Steven and I'm like, hey man, we should start an HR podcast together. And you were like, okay, like why? And at that point, I'd already been working in HR tech for six, I think going on seven years started that journey at Workify, got to meet a lot of great people in the HR space, then went to Udacity. And now I'm at, at Humu. And I think I had this epiphany, this light bulb moment a few months into COVID where I realized HR is the most important function in any business. And I want to learn as much as I possibly can about it. I started off by one-off LinkedIn uh, messaging people saying like, hey, do you just want to have an off-the-record conversation? And turns out people aren't as interested in talking if there's not like a purpose. So I was yeah. like, how can we put some purpose behind this? And I was like, oh, 
we'll start a podcast. And that's when I reached out to Steven. And um, yeah, I've learned, you know, way more in the past year about the people function than I think I could have learned from reading books or online articles or going to school for this. This has been a crash course in all things HR and very appreciative for all of the incredibly smart people that we've talked to. And the last reason that that we wanted to build this podcast was to build a community. And I think that we're still in the early phases of building out that community, but I'm just so excited to see what the community looks like a year from now and how much bigger it is. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of, you know, the story of, of why I reached out to Steven. I know your story is a little bit different, but, um, yeah, my, a lot different, but there are some similarities. So yeah, around a year ago, a, a year and some change, you reached out. I think we were actually brainstorming. I was looking to try some cr- creative new things on the demand gen side at Workify. And so I, I honestly reached out just to pick your brain, like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to do some things radically different. And, you know, we had a brainstorm and as we both now know, now you part of a radical change in how you approach demand gen is podcast as a channel. And I think that just was like, gave you the perfect form. I think this, as you said, was already a thing in your head. You were just looking for the right angle. And, um, and so when you suggested, Hey, I think we should launch a podcast. I thought like, you're crazy. Like, (laughs) why, why am I, you know, why would we, why would anyone listen to what we have to say? The more that I talked about the vision with you, I think it was clear and, but it still was a leap of faith to be, to be totally honest. And so the, the way that I looked at it, it was like a low risk, high reward thing for me, because I, for me, it was more about the chance to highlight the great work that's being done in HR and the great executives and leaders that are innovating every single day. And I don't think I fully appreciated how big of a change that we are experiencing through the pandemic and everything that's happened. I didn't fully realize, and and I'm still to this day, still trying to wrap my head around it. When we meet with people like Steve Cadigan and Barbie Brewer and Darren Murph and all the great people we've had on this show, um, you know, the crystal ball question that we've asked our guests has just really made me realize like, wow, like we really, you know, could be at the tip of the iceberg on this thing and there could be a lot more to come. And I, I think there is a lot more to come. And so, so, you know, the, the, I wish I could say that I had some foresight in, in knowing that, but I honestly didn't. I just wanted to showcase the, the great work that's being done in, in the people space and, and, you know, the, what I've gotten back has been like tenfold, like a, the leap of faith assumption that people would want to listen to what we, what our, our guests and what we have to say, like I've been completely over overwhelmed and it's been a humbling experience to hear people say that participating and chatting with us is, is cathartic and was one of the best conversations that they've had this year, um, considering the names and the people that we've had on the show has just been a complete joy. And I, I'm, I'm so grateful that 
your your LinkedIn in-mail weren't, weren't being opened and responded to because that ultimately led to us doing this together. And I think that, um, you know, we're going to take the lessons learned from, from 2021 and uh, we got some really exciting things planned for 2022. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to our second year of doing this. Yeah. And on that note, I just want to take a moment to thank every single guest that we've had on the show and thank every single listener that has listened to maybe just one episode. Maybe this is the first episode you've listened to or has been listening to us since episode one. We really appreciate it. And, you know, just to ask two favors of, of our listeners, please send us DMs on LinkedIn. Let us know what you enjoyed most about the show and what you'd like to hear more about in 2022. We want to make sure that we're curating these conversations around the topics that are the most important to you and what you want to learn more about. So if there's something that you have been looking for more information on, maybe it's something that nobody's cracked the code on and everybody's trying to figure out, we can try to find somebody that uh, is at least experimenting and working on it and have them share their knowledge. And then, yeah, share share an episode with with somebody that you're friends with that's also in the people space. We, we want to build this community and we want to build this community around what everyone is interested in learning more about. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to any Modern People Leader episode. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I want to second that. Like the 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 number of times that I've received a DM this year, whether it was you know my friend Henry that works for a private equity back you know company, and you know hearing like all the trends that are going on on the people side, you know, great resignation, having questions for me like, hey, what should I do? I I didn't realize how much. Uh, care and attention to detail our audience had in these episodes and, you know, keep it, keep it coming. And yeah, you know, tell us what you want to hear about and what you want us to talk about and who you want us to have on the show. Cause that matters more than any idea that Daniel and I have, cause this really is, is for, for you guys and the community we're building. So plus one to, to that. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all I got. Everybody have, a great holiday break. Hope everybody's taking a break. Getting um, some rest. Yeah, get some rest. And uh, happy new year. Happy new year. Yeah. Happy new year. Enjoy the break. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next uh, episode, which will be in 2022. Same here. All right. Awesome. Talk to you later, Stephen. Bye. Bye. Thanks for, for tuning in to another episode of the Modern People Leader. We We really, really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating. It would mean the world to us. And connect with us on LinkedIn. We want to we wanna know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, you can, you can find links to both of our profiles in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and, and see you on the next episode.